Hello, listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. Listeners, I don't want to alarm you, but there is a wild animal secretly living in our homes. This animal is an obligate predator, and its species is directly responsible for the extinction of at least 33 species of bird. They have been called gods, fairies, demons, and witches. They have been called both unlucky and lucky. Of all the animals humanity has carefully selected to live alongside us, this is the one species that may have just invited itself in. I'm talking, of course, about the domestic cat, Felis catus. I say domestic with that emphasis because scientific evidence suggests that, unlike man's best friends, cats are only semi-domesticated. House cats as we know them have been around for about 9,000 years, and probably originated in the Middle East near the Fertile Crescent, alongside the development of agriculture. Cats get the classification semi-domesticated because they are still able to interbreed with some wild species, as evidenced by the savannah breed of cat, and a project comparing the genomes of domesticated cats and wild cats found that the most significant genetic variations between the two were in specific fur colors and patterns, facial structures, and docility. The reason cats have even become semi-domesticated at all has to do with two behaviors, memory and reward-seeking. Cats are particularly motivated by rewards, and it's thought that because they controlled rodent populations that devoured precious crops, humans offered them food to stick around, and so they did. Which, if you think about it, is not unlike many beneficial house spirits. This connection between cats and the supernatural is especially apparent in Scottish and Irish folklore, home to both the king of the cats and the ketchi. Now, I'm sure many of you who know a cat would be unsurprised to learn that they have a secret hierarchy. And what better place to establish royal lineage than in the UK? In 1553, William Baldwin wrote a book called Beware the Cat. This book contained several short stories, including one of the earliest written accounts of this folktale, which is thought to probably be even older. The story goes like this. One winter's evening, the sexton's wife was sitting by the fireside with her big black cat old Tom, both half asleep and waiting for the master to come home. They waited and they waited, till at last he came rushing in, calling out, Who's Tommy Tildrum? in such a wild way that both his wife and his cat stared at him to know what was the matter. Why, what's the matter, said his wife, and why do you want to know who Tommy Tildrum is? Oh, I've had such an adventure. I was digging old Mr. Fordyce's grave when I must have fallen asleep, and only woke up by hearing a cat's meow. Meow, said old Tom in answer. Yes, just like that. So I looked over the edge of the grave, and what do you think I saw? What did you see, said the sexton's wife. Why, nine black cats all like our friend Tom here, all with a white spot on their chests. And what do you think they were carrying? Why, a small coffin covered in a black velvet pall. And on the pall was a small crown of gold. And at every third step they took, they all cried together, Meow! Meow! said Tom again. Yes, just like that, said the sexton. And as they came nearer and nearer to me, I could see them more distinctly. Because their eyes shone with a sort of green light. Well, they all came towards me, eight of them carrying the coffin, and the biggest cat of all walking in front for all the world like... But look at our Tom, look how he's looking at me. You'd think he knew what I was saying. Go on, go on, said his wife, never mind old Tom. 
Well, as I was saying, they came towards me slowly and solemnly, and at every third step, crying all together, Meow! Meow! said old Tom again. Yes, just like that, till they came and stood right opposite of Mr. Fordyce's grave, where I was, when they all stood still and looked straight at me. It was so strange. But look at old Tom. He's looking at me just like they did. Go on, go on, said his wife. Never mind old Tom. Where was I? Oh, they all stood still looking at me, when the one that wasn't carrying the coffin came forward, and, staring straight at me, said to me, Yes, I tell you, said to me, with a squeaky voice, Tell Tom Tildrum that Tom Toydrum's dead. And that's why I asked you if you knew who Tom Tildrum was, for how can I tell Tom Tildrum Tim Toydrum's dead if I don't know who Tom Tildrum is? Look at old Tom! Look at old Tom! screamed his wife. And well he might look, for Tom was swelling and Tom was staring, and at last Tom shrieked out, What? Old Tom dead? Then I'm king of the cats! And rushed up the chimney, and was never more seen. Now, the names and occupations of the couple in this story change depending on which version you get, but this is essentially the story in its entirety. This story follows the archetype Death of an Elf, which may make more sense after you've heard about this next creature. The Ketchi is a fairy creature, or sometimes a witch that can transform into a cat nine times, that takes the form of a dog-sized black cat with a white spot on its chest. This cat haunts the Scottish Highlands, and is, well, very cat-like. Except for one thing. You see, the people of the Scottish Highlands believe that if the Ketchi, which again, looks just like a very large normal black cat with a white spot, passed over a corpse before it was buried, the Ketchi could steal a person's soul before the gods had time to claim it. Because black cats are not uncommon in Scotland, watches called the Late Wake were performed night and day in the home of the deceased to ensure the Ketchi didn't get to the corpse before the burial. Methods of distraction, such as games of leaping and wrestling, catnip, riddles, and music would go on in the other rooms. Which actually isn't a bad plan for distracting a cat. As a final precaution, no fires would be lit in the room where the body lay, as the Ketchi was attracted to warmth. Just like every cat ever, so still a good plan. And as it turns out, the Scottish really did have cause for concern. Sightings of the Ketchi had been reported as early as the King of the Cat's Tale, but to most people, these sightings were superstitious nonsense. Then, in 1984, a Ketchi was actually caught in a snare by a gamekeeper named Ronnie Douglas in the village of Kellas, Moray. This cat was 15 inches, or 38 centimeters, to shoulder height, and 43 inches, or 110 centimeters, in length, and was all black except for a white spot on its chest. Genetic studies showed that this specimen was actually a hybrid cross between a melanistic European wildcat and a semi-domesticated subspecies of that same wildcat that are kept in Scotland as pets. And this was not an isolated incident. Eight more specimens were found or donated to be examined by the National Museum of Scotland, and it was found that while one juvenile male was a pure melanistic European wildcat, all the other seven were crosses between the two species that closely matched the original specimen. These eight specimens were given the name of Keyless cats. Keyless cats are now described as weighing from 5 to 15 pounds, or 2.3 to 6.8 kilograms, and being 24 to 36 inches, 61 to 91 centimeters long, with powerful and long hind legs, and a tail that can grow to be around 12 inches, or 30 centimeters long. It just goes to show you, just because you haven't seen something, doesn't mean it isn't real. 
For our next cats, we're going to a country known for their cat love to visit a subspecies of demon cat, and its often confused counterpart, and a cat that really just loves to wave. To start, the Bake Neko and the Nekomata are two types of cat yokai that occur in Japan. The Bake Neko refers to an aged domestic cat that has been raised for 12 to 13 years and became a yokai. The Bake Neko can shapeshift into humans, speak human words, cast curses, manipulate dead people, possess living people, control wolves, and sometimes dances around wearing a towel or a napkin on their head. The Nekomata, on the other hand, comes in two species, the mountain species and the domesticated cat species. The mountain species I'm saving for an episode on werecats, but the domesticated cat species is in many ways similar to the Baka Neko. The Nekomata is also an aged cat that has become a yokai, and can shapeshift, and is also associated with paranormal activity, such as unexplained fires. But, the Nekomata is much more closely associated with death, as well as revenge against those who have wronged cats. The Nekomata is able to raise the dead and control them with ritualistic dances involving tail and paw gestures. They then use these necromancy powers to take revenge, by haunting people who were mean to cats with visits from their dead relatives. It's said that the older and more badly treated the cat, the more powerful the Nekomata. Most distinctly, though, when a cat becomes a Nekomata, its tail forks into two tails. These two cat demons became especially prevalent during the Edo period, and this is largely in part because of two beliefs about cats during this time period. The first was that cats with long tails, like snakes, could use these tails to bewitch people. Because of this, people would cut their cat's tails short, which was probably an early precursor of cutting cat's tails to prevent them from becoming Nekomata, because a short tail wouldn't be long enough to fork, I guess? The second belief is that cats raised for seven years or longer would kill the people who raised them, which, wow, you've got to wonder who got scratched by an old cat and thought that one up. This belief was taken as such common knowledge, though, that people would often decide in advance how many years they would raise a cat before getting one. Luckily, it's not all cat demons, as evidenced by Japan's most well-known cat, the Maneki Neko, or literally, the beckoning cat. Like the king of the cats, this one is more of a folktale than a monster, but there are many, many versions of this story. It seems like in the later part of the Edo period, people had a change of heart about cats, because that's when this story originates. There are at least seven popular stories for its origin, so let me go with the one that uses the most common elements. The story goes that a wealthy feudal lord was taking shelter under a tree near a temple in Tokyo during a thunderstorm. The lord looked out from under the tree and saw the temple priest's cat with its paw upward in a beckoning gesture, and, curious, the lord went out from under the tree to follow the cat. A moment later, the tree was struck by lightning. The wealthy lord became friends with the poor priest, and the temple became prosperous. When the cat eventually died, the first Maneki Neko was made in his honor. Traditionally, a Maneki Neko is a calico, which is considered the luckiest color cat, and its breed is a Japanese bobtail. It generally has either the left or right paw up in a traditional Japanese beckoning gesture, which is done by holding the hand up, palm down, and repeatedly folding the fingers down and back, similarly to a curled cat's paw. It is thought that the higher the paw is raised on the Maneki Neko, the more luck it will bring. 
Lastly, I wanted to jump back really quick to the States to meet a lesser-known resident of Washington, D.C. That's right, even the U.S. has a cat creature, and this one is very into politics. D.C., short for Demon Cat, is a ghost cat that haunts the U.S. government buildings in Washington, D.C. Many of the Capitol's buildings were originally connected by tunnels, and cats were often brought into these tunnels to hunt and kill the rats that would make their home there. While the practice of releasing cats into the tunnels eventually stopped, apparently D.C. decided the tunnels were cozy enough and decided to stay. D.C.'s official digs are the basement crypt of the Capitol, the burial site originally intended for George Washington. This ghost cat now has a full-time job of appearing before presidential elections and tragedies, and was allegedly spotted by White House security before the assassinations of Abraham Lincoln and JFK. D.C. often appears as a black cat the size of an average house cat, but when alerted by a witness, this cat expands rapidly, becoming 10 feet by 10 feet before either exploding or pouncing at the understandably terrified witness, disappearing right before its claws strike. D.C. has allegedly killed one guard via heart attack, and its last official sighting was back in the 1940s, where it disappeared after being fired upon by guards. So next time you're in Washington, maybe carry a little catnip in your pocket. After all, cats do have nine lives. That's all for cats. I hope you enjoyed these magical felines, and if you're curious about any of these stories, check the show notes to find out more. Intro and outro music is by Scott Ethington. Lastly, if you like what you heard, please rate and review on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best job I can to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening. And remember, anyone can be a monster.